the uber republic of the former crown but sort of not really crown uh place of worship of whatever canada or is it just canada i'm pretty sure we just go by canada (laughs) welcome to season two of trails to the border podcast a podcast where two entrepreneurs on two sides of a border come together to talk about business, travel, and their love of nature. From Canada is James Anderson, and I'm Dan Moore from the United States. James Anderson. Hey, buddy. How you doing? Good. How are you doing? Oh, good. Good. Great to be back on the pod. I miss you. It's been a while, and for all those listeners out there, I apologize. It's takes a little while to edit these things and I've been on the road and even harder to find a peaceful spot to do so. So I'm happy to have you back, James. It's been a little while even for you and I to talk and then for our listeners out there, thank you for your patience. We're excited that you're still hanging with us and uh, we've got even better stuff ahead of us here because we are now episode three of season two, which is amazing because I don't even understand how you determine the end of one season and the beginning of another, but that's how we're doing it. I feel like our narrative arc really came to a crescendo with season one, so it, it ended at the logical time, you know? There's one thing I've learned about the, uh, the community that we've created here, Dan. It's strong and resilient and patient. <laughs> so they're, you're going to be excited for this. That's exactly it. I actually just came back from... From northern BC, I was in uh, Dawson Creek and Fort St. John, which is about a 20-hour drive north from Vancouver. Wow. It was, yeah, it was minus 26 degrees Celsius when I got there. It was real cold. Uh, But I was facilitating a tourism marketing workshop for two days in Dawson Creek, and it was really enjoyable. Nice, great to learn about some of the businesses up there. And there were actually a couple of participants who had just came from Saskatchewan who were at the Aboriginal Tourism event that I believe you were at. Yeah, the International Indigenous Tourism Conference, which is put on by the the Indigenous Tourism Association of Canada. It was a fantastic conference in Saskatoon, a city I'd never been to. Actually, I'm hoping to uh, head up to Yukon uh, in, in early December, which... Uh, Will probably be pretty dark and cold, but uh, again, it'll be a new a new province for me. Or, or is Yukon a territory? It's a territory. Yeah, you got some really long nights in December in the Yukon. I was up there, but in the summertime uh, a couple years ago, and really, really long days. It was mm. kind of neat. It sort of stays dusk until about eleven thirty at night. It was really interesting. Well, tell me a bit about what what's the weather like uh, in Whistler right now? Do you guys have snow already? We do have snow. Uh, Not quite enough. It's sort of a slower start to our winter season. We thought there was going to be a little bit more. But uh, yeah, I mean, Whistler is is humming along. We're just about to go into uh, American Thanksgiving, which is, of course, a big holiday here because we have so many American visitors to the uh, to the region doing family holidays and whatnot, which is great. Uh, Love a little bit more snow on the ground for them. So when they came, they could get some serious power turns in. But it's all right. It's all right. 
And how about yourself, Seattle? Things are going pretty well here in the good old U.S. of A. Uh, you know, politics, of course, is still pretty crazy. There's a little bit more balance in power, which I think there was a lot of concern, especially those of us like myself who are more on the left end of the spectrum, although we respect any listeners to this podcast of whatever political persuasion. Shout out to the right. <laughs> so, yeah, so we have... Uh, we have a little bit more balance in our our political situation here in the U.S. at this moment, uh, and, and I think that's healthy. I think yin and yang, uh, Nate, we were just talking about the balance of nature. I think that that is healthy for what's going on here, and people aren't quite as depressed. Uh, I live in the this liberal island called Seattle, and you know, for two years, people have just been moping around like crazy, and I think they have a little bit more optimism now. But other other than that, I think things are going okay here in the U.S. It's still chaos time every day, but I think we've got a, a, a little bit, you know, we're, we're going to be turning a corner here. So so that's that's always positive. Dan, do you have plans for American Thanksgiving? I guess you might refer to it as Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, we, we, I think we, didn't we invent Thanksgiving? I mean, you got to give us that. I, I, I don't know. I thought Thanksgiving was just a thing that happened around Harvest no, time, right? No, no. I mean, this a little earlier. I mean, there are pros and cons here, right? I mean, we're we're we've got this mythical thing where we're giving thanks for this kind of peace and harmony between our indigenous communities and and the, the invaders, as might be an appropriate term. But it is a fun time. You sit around a, a big table. You got friends, family, hopefully great food. It is a, a beautiful time. One of my favorite holidays for that reason, uh, just for the, the family. You have been listening to Trails to the Border podcast a podcast where two entrepreneurs on two sides of the border talk about travel, business, and their love of nature. From Canada is James Anderson, and I'm Dan Moore from the United States. If you like what you're listening to, you can subscribe to this podcast. You can subscribe on all major podcast platforms, including Apple, Google, Spotify, and Stitcher. Yeah, so I'm just uh, going to bring in my two good friends from Oregon here. We've got James Good and Kieran Widener. Let's see if uh, th- they can get on board with us here. James, I see that you're with us. I am here, yes. Well, D- James, I think that you'll be very pleased right now because my co-host of the podcast is also named James, so I think you'll you'll feel in very good company. Beautiful. James, great to meet you. And then we also have Kieran, a longtime friend of mine, also on the line, another entrepreneur from Oregon. Hey, Dan. Hey, Kieran, how are you? Hey, good. So, uh, Kieran, um, we've got James Good, who you know already, but we have another James, who is my co-host of the podcast. His name's James Anderson, and he's up in Whistler, British Columbia. He runs an axe-throwing studio there and a longtime entrepreneur. Um, so before we get too far into the podcast, I'd love to have each of you guys introduce yourselves and tell us a bit about your company. Um, again, what focus of this podcast is about entrepreneurialisms, and you guys are both great entrepreneurs, so I'd love to hear your story. Why don't we start with uh, James Good? 
Well, yeah, I'm the owner and operator of Good Bike Co. here in Primeville, Oregon. We've been open since fall of 2014, so we're actually done, you know, going into uh, year five here. Ultimately, I guess the, the quickest way to explain it is it's kind of been a lifelong dream of owning a, a bike shop and being, my, being an entrepreneur. Uh, got a business degree in business administration uh, at the University of South Dakota. Moved out to Seattle, Washington, worked in-house for uh, uh, the Seattle REI and their ski and bike shops. Uh, did some corporate work with REI there. Moved with them to Boulder, Colorado. Uh, transitioned into more of a corporate lifestyle with Petzl, a climbing manufacturer, was quality assurance and, and technical trainer for six years with them. And then uh, my wife and I moved to Prineville where I started the bike shop here. And uh, ultimately, I just took all my schooling, all my knowledge working up and down the supply chain within the outdoor industry and, you know, 20 plus years experience to implement what we have going on here now. That's fantastic. Uh, before we launch in with our assault and barrage of, of very intense personal questions, let's uh, first hear from Kieran. Yeah, okay. Uh, so I've been around, as you know, in the tourism industry since around 2007. Then I uh, started my own business just doing custom private tours in uh, 2014. So going on four years, I guess this is the fourth year in business with my own company. And what's the name of your company, Kieran? Uh, my company is called First Nature. And what do you guys do? Uh, just custom private tours. So we, we kind of work as a boutique DMC. We're based here in Portland, Oregon. Uh, people want to kind of explore the Pacific Northwest. We'll help package together professional guide, transportation, accommodations, activities, all those kind of things to create a custom travel package. Uh, we also handle corporate team building events, um, offsite meetings and things like that. Tell us, tell us, especially for our audience that is not necessarily in the Pacific Northwest, tell us a bit about Oregon and why that's a, a great place for both of you guys to be an entrepreneur at this moment. Or maybe it's not. Maybe you'll say Oregon sucks. I don't know. It's up to you guys. <laughs> Never. <laughs> um, gosh, well, I can, I can speak from the perspective of being in Portland. It's one of the best places in the country, I think, to be an entrepreneur. It's the environment is very supportive of everything and anything that's local, uh, especially things that are done on a on a smaller boutique scale. Uh, if you, could, you could pretty much slap a Portland label on anything and, and people here in Portland would buy it just because of that. Um, but it's yeah, just in general, it has a good environment for creativity and for kind of doing your own thing and being your own individual. That's very much part of the culture here in Portland. I think Oregon at large for tourism is also a great spot to be doing what we're doing because the destination is is coming up quite quickly and is gaining a lot of recognition internationally as a great place to, to go as an alternative to, uh, especially to California, um, as a place people have kind of exhausted going to these national, the, the few national parks that are on the top of their list and um, they're wanting to experience something a little bit more authentic maybe with a little bit less of a crowd, maybe a little bit more wilderness experience. Um, they're kind of finding the value in that. And that's what Oregon has to offer in a huge way. James, what about you? Why, why Oregon? Why, why do you think that that's a good spot for you to be an entrepreneur? Yeah, good question. I mean, I'm a transplant of about four and a half, five years ago to central Oregon. And uh, personally, I think Oregon sells itself, you know, kind of like Kieran mentioned, just the natural beauty, you know, we're not in Portland, so we don't have that big city pulling. 
but we have the natural beauty and we have what ultimately I feel like everybody's kind of looking for, but they need somebody to, in some respects, almost hold their hand and curate some of those trips. Because when you do start to get to central Oregon and, and, and ultimately into eastern Oregon, which we're kind of, you know, we're, we're bumping up into eastern Oregon here, there's a lot of beauty out there, but you're out of cell service, there's limited services. So having some sort of guide service or business help you understand the best way to get through some of these regions, it just makes it a little more, you know, it makes it easier and kind of takes the pressure off, I guess. You know, down here, kind of the same thing. It's, it's, there's so many great community members. It allows you, I felt, you know, and I haven't owned a business in any other state, but I have lived in a lot of other states, mainly in the Northwest and uh, a bit in, you know, grew up in South Dakota and, you know, owning a bike shop with, you know, we do, uh, we're very service-based. We do bicycle uh, tours, we do rentals, we do repairs, we do do bike sales, parts accessory sales, and then we also do uh, a little bit more bike packing type trips and uh, either day trips or overnight trips. And we also have craft beer on tap down here. So it's like, it's a business plan that pretty much any of the other states I'd lived in wouldn't have flown. It wouldn't have worked out. Um, and I think by having some different things to offer customers instead of just a, a you know straight and narrow bike shop allows those non-bike users to be comfortable in the shop, to come more often, and then at some point, maybe they have that interest to, to ride if, if they're not already a rider. Trails to the Border. Jancy, the bike market has obviously been changing a lot recently and with uh, you know technology advances and things like that they are able to get a uh, maybe a, a demographic that wasn't into biking or biking was inaccessible for whatever reason into you I know there's you know at least in my region there's a lot of talk uh, on both sides of you know technology with bicycles is there any like trends or anything like that that you've seen that have either allowed new people to get into the sport or 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 vice versa on, on anything like that are we talking about e-bikes or is there anything uh, specific? If, if you want to i mean or it could be full <laughs> suspension and how that's uh, eating up trails but yeah it's totally up to you yeah so uh e-bikes has been you know it's been gangbusters in the european market for i mean at least a decade i would say and uh, most of their trails tend to be open i don't know all the laws and logistics to the european market but a lot of their trails are open to e-bikes uh in the u.s the e-bike market's been kind of slow to come i i know all the manufacturers are looking at the european market and understanding like hey if this is this big here obviously we could have those opportunities in the u.s as well ultimately e-bikes are here they're a real thing the bikes are incredible the brand that we ultimately carry right now is Trek, and it's a Trek and Bosch battery and motor system. So really high-end, reputable brands. You know, some shops are really slow to catch on and or drag their feet because they don't want to get involved. In my personal opinion, it's kind of stupid not to because the market is getting bigger 
every day, every other day, I see more and more e-bikes coming in, whether they bought it from us or not. I've been riding several different styles of e-bikes just to kind of, you know, wrap my head around it and understand it more. They're incredibly fun. And I think they have their purpose, especially in commuting. Um, a lot of them can replace a car. You know, it really depends on your lifestyle and where and how you live. But then you run into some of the, the friction points, I think, that a lot of people get hung up on is, uh, for example, the Forest Service. We have a lot of single track mountain bike trails in the forest, the National Forest. And National Forest ultimately classifies an e-bike as a motorized vehicle. So those bikes are not allowed on a lot of the mountain bike trails that are currently developed for mountain bikes. So again, personally, I have nothing against it. We're okay with it. We sell them, we service them. And uh, all I can do is just educate that customer. If I sell an e-mountain bike and I can tell them, you know, here's the laws of the forest, here's the laws everywhere else, here's where you can and cannot ride. Ultimately, it's up to them to then, you know, follow the law and abide, I guess, if you will. So other than that, if that answers that question, the last thing is just the purchasing, you know, parts and accessories, obviously purchasing mountain bike products or, or any bicycle product online has been a thing for a long time. Now it's getting easier and easier for consumers to buy reputable and really quality bikes online and direct to consumer, which ultimately takes out the brick and mortar shops such as us. That has its own conversation again. And, and, you know, that's just another way how technology, I guess, is kind of uh, flirted with the bike industry, outdoor industry. Yeah, thank, thanks, James. Well, James, what I appreciate about what when you were describing your bike shop before, you weren't just talking about a retail store where someone walks in, purchases a, a bike, walks out, and they're done. It, you know, you, you've got... Uh, beer on tap you've got an environment there you've got knowledgeable staff it, 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 it's an experience to go in and purchase bicycles and bicycle gear and I think that's where we need to be moving in the retail space to, to compete with that online that that truly there is a benefit to talking to another human being and if we can curate these uh, these retail experiences so that it is fun it is enjoyable to actually go in and, and be a part of something rather than just going and buying your widget and going home. So I appreciate that you're actually addressing that. It obviously, it's showing some success. Yeah, I think so. You know, we have, yeah, we have a full uh, courtyard or I guess, quote unquote, beer garden out front. That's probably much larger than our inside space. We have a fire cauldron. So we host a lot of different events. We do, uh, we're, we're a part of the Thanksgiving parade, which is the Saturday after Thanksgiving. And we'll have our parking lot will be filled with, you know, 100 to 200 people watching the parade when the rest of the street is kind of, inner, you know, it's, it's dispersed. Um, so everybody congregates to us because we got beer on tap. We have a fire. There's there's things going on uh, much more than just like you mentioned, selling, you know, a nutrition uh, gel or a bike or a helmet or, or whatever it may be. It's you don't need to be a cyclist to come hang out in our space. Cool. And a lot of people, a lot of people use it that way. So it, it allows them to be more comfortable in these types of environments. And being in central Oregon where it's an arid location, you can do that sort of thing year round. You don't have to be restricted to just a few months in the summer necessarily. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's, I'm standing outside in the sun right now and it's probably six, 60 degrees, you know, yeah, beautiful. <laughs> so, so yeah. t guys, tell me a bit about some of the pain points because a, a, a big reason why I think people tune into this podcast is they're interested in, in learning from other entrepreneurs there, there are definitely challenges that we're all facing, and it's good to learn from you all what, what you're facing and, and maybe how you're dealing with some of them. Kieran, why don't we start with you? Yeah, sure. Uh, there's a lot of challenges to being an entrepreneur, but um, the biggest challenge, of course, is just 
trusting in yourself to be able to take the leap to to do it. I think, you know, I, I kind of wish I had done it a little bit earlier. I think a lot of people that are in my position probably do as well. Cause once you actually do make that move, you realize the initial step is actually not that hard. You can just set up an LLC and, um, you know, pay a few hundred bucks to have a lawyer do it or do it yourself and register a business. And then you've got a business. That part's pretty easy. You know, figuring out how to, how to handle, uh, things like accounting and cash flow and scalability and all those type of things definitely get complicated. And in tourism, we have a lot, a lot of stuff that I think a lot of industries don't have to deal with. I think it's, it's pretty complex. Like what? Specifically having to deal with a lot of moving parts, like, uh, and a lot of insurance and permitting issues. Uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of regulations around, around tourism uh, for one, because in most cases you're transporting people in a vehicle and that in and of itself is a really kind of expensive and complex thing having to do with insurance and permitting and, regulation and uh, then inherently in in most parts of the world we deal with seasonality in a really big way and uh, Oregon is definitely no exception to that we have a very very distinct busy season that goes for about five months from I'd say from about like May to October maybe a little bit more maybe six, six seven months and a good year like this year but um, then we've got the rest of the year that we're just trying to figure out how to how to either live off what we've made in the summer in the busy season or else try and get really innovative and, and bring in some some money uh, doing winter activities. But it's it's always a challenge. And along with that come things like guide retention. Uh, you know, you're, you've got people you have to manage and, and keep busy and keep employed. And when you have a very seasonal industry, that's really difficult. So. You know, I end up having a, a couple really solid guides that are kind of the core of my business besides myself out there guiding every season. And then, you know, it tends to turn over. And the next year I have to find a couple other really good solid guides that, that I can trust with my brand and have to, you know, usually they're professionals already. The people I'm bringing on board have already had the training. and They're already guiding for other companies. But still, it's, it's really difficult because you have to... Uh, kind of start over when it comes to teaching them about your own culture and your own business uh, every single year in a way. So that's the, this, that's the most bit difficult challenge in my particular business. And, and um, right now I'm also trying to struggle with just what to do with, to scale up if I want to do that, to get to the level where I'm actually a bigger business than I am right now. And I can't do a lot of the things myself anymore. And, and that's actually kind of scary to just uh, let go of a lot of these components that, I'm currently managing myself, maybe not very well, but if I want to actually get to be the point where I'm, you know, a bigger business with, you know, more tours and farther reaching, I have to have to bring on more people mm. and potentially year-round people, the actual employees. It's almost like starting a new business in a way. Yeah, the model's very different. Having employees is a very different model than having contractors and a whole another, you know, can of worms when it comes to administrative stuff. Hey, Karen, have you seen the, the, the market for at least your products change a lot? I, you mentioned you do a lot of meetings and sort of an incentive travel, I guess, with corporate travel groups. Have you yeah. seen that change with like more of a mobile workforce and how like the needs or, or demands that people are looking for when they get away have slightly changed from what it used to be? You know, I think back in the day, like Outward Bound was like obviously the, one of the bigger ones for, for corporate outdoors retreats and adventure retreats. 
but I imagine things have changed a lot since then where you're getting like a more uh, a dispersed workforce who might not have those same relationships formed already when they when they first meet up for a trip or a tour. Yeah, well, it's I, we live in a bit of a bubble here. I mean, Portland's not a big city, and uh, Oregon's still not a huge destination for offsites for for companies to actually come to. So, you know, what what has really colored my experience is the relationship that we have here in in Portland with Nike specifically. Everybody's got a piece of Nike, and like, if you're going to survive here, you kind of have to have to work with them at some level if you're doing anything corporate. And they happen to be sponsoring this podcast this week. So how fortunate that we are focusing on Oregon, two entrepreneurs. And Kieran, thank you so much for bringing up our sponsor. Now we get to invoice wow. them and, and keep this podcast alive. <laughs> that yeah, wasn't shout out to Phil Knight. Yeah, you can send checks directly to us. Yeah. That's great. That's, thank you. That's funny. <laughs> Carry on. Uh, yeah, I'm not, I am not being endorsed in any way or sponsored by Nike to say that. But, but we uh, are. But yeah, you are. Yeah, and this podcast is. So, um, but yeah, everybody, everybody here in, in uh, tourism, in any kind of like service industry, kind of is touched in, in a way by Nike, one way or another. And so, like the the trend, the trends I see have you know, definitely been about getting out and doing something kind of active and challenging. And they're they're a pretty innovative company, and they're pretty competitive. Is one of the words I'd use to to kind of describe them in general, they're, they're, um, they're very compartmentalized and they're pretty competitive and they want to do something kind of active and, and that fits the Nike athletic brand. And so what, what we do a lot with them is, is just taking them out and doing adventure races and, and doing like something super fun and throwing like a whitewater rafting in the gorge and then combining that with a little bit of wine tasting or some a brewery tour or something kind of more fun that has some drinking involved and and we can still call it team building because they're still working together and, and there's, you know, there's, there's things you can, <laughs> there's things they can justify in the team building realm you know, that you're doing in a raft, I guess, that kind of check those boxes. As far as, as far as other companies we work with, you know, and doing team building stuff and offsites and incentives, the trend has really been dictated by what, what we have to work with, which is, you know, an awesome adventure-filled destination here and and lots of wineries and, and breweries and that's kind of what we combine to create an experience so yeah i guess my experience is pretty much limited by my the scope of the, the bubble i live in here in portland and and <laughs> the limited clients that we work with and the limited i guess activities that we offer when you do work with those companies, uh, I mean, Nike is a global brand. Obviously, they're based in Beaverton, Oregon. Uh, it's a big, big corporate uh, powerhouse in, in that region. Um, but they've got folks coming in from all over the world, right? Or is it mostly just the folks right in Oregon that you're working with? No, I, no we work with a global global uh, Nike market. I mean, they're coming in for meetings from all over the world. Stuff they're, you know, they're financial team and i've done stuff with every every little compartment and department and uh sector within nike i've probably worked with at some point over the last 10 years or so and uh there's a lot of them but yeah they bring from all over for sure on that note that that james was talking about in terms of what are the how are these employees that are coming in maybe working on remote teams are they are you finding that their interactions have changed their ability to get along or is or is it the business as usual just over skype i think 
I think getting people in the same room together physically whenever possible has definitely been one of their prerogatives and and also getting them to do something fun and and somewhat active together as a group physically is is also part of their prerogative so I Excellent. And just uh, if if I'm reading the the banging sounds, I think this is that's the bike shop, right, James? My my apologies. Yeah. No worries. This is a this is the life of the entrepreneur. I'm uh, I'm 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 moved away again. I'm trying to move away. <laughs> no, no, it's no problem. I just wanted the podcast listeners to know we're not like torturing each other in, in a it's back authentic. room. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Uh, so real quick, um, kind of wrapping up here, guys. A uh, couple questions for you. What what gets you up every day? I mean, are you, besides stress <laughs> in, in, at three in the morning, but what, what is motivating you every single day to, 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 to dive in head first, even when you're dealing with some of these challenges? What gets me up every day? I mean, I truly do what I love, Dan. I think that you know that. I mean, I, I'm very, very blessed and, and very lucky that I'm doing something every day for the most part, every day that I'm actually really passionate about. I, I don't, have an office job i've never had an office job in my life that's kind of uh unusual i think in today's day and age and i really i really truly do think that what my company is doing is enhancing the world a little bit just through education and and through experience we're definitely taking people out and and showing them uh, a little bit of how beautiful oregon and and nature is and, and teaching them a little bit about natural history and we always incorporate a little sustainability, just like we did with Evergreen Escapes, as you know, um, kind of talking about that aspect of our plant. And so I feel really good about it, and I, I think feeling good about what you do is valuable. It's incredible. I just wish it I just wish it was more consistent throughout the year. That's, that's all. But, you know, that said, I've had the best year ever this year financially. And it's gotten bigger every year, better every year. So... That's wonderful. No, no complaints on my end. And, and what is your what is your season run, uh, Kieran? Well, so we work a lot. We have the great pleasure and distinction of working a lot with the uh, destination marketing organizations in Oregon and Washington, and uh, visit Seattle up in Washington, and, and travel Oregon and travel Portland here, and even some of the smaller regional CMOs uh, here around Portland area. So. Uh, this shoulder season actually is really busy for us. The shoulder season kind of being like April and March in the spring and October and November in the fall. Um, so those, those months, whereas normally that would already be the beginning of our slow season with you know, your regular organic tourism coming in for people that are actually traveling here. Uh, uh, the DMOs are doing most of their work in those months because they can get really good rates on hotels or even free hotel nights, and they can get uh, the journalists and the tour operators over here from other countries that they're trying to market this destination to. So because we do those familiarization tours, these multi-day familiarization tours for them in those in those shoulder months, um, I'd say April through through November is really when we're we're fully up and operational like every week uh, having, having something going on and in especially in those shoulder season we actually have a combination of of uh, fam tours for the DMOs and private tours that we have 
coming in. So it's particularly busy. September is by far our busiest month. It's, it's absolutely nuts. But I think that's kind of true for most people in North America. I think they get a lot of travelers in September um, kind of overlapping the summer and the fall seasons. I think that's a perfect example, though, Kieran, of adaption. Um, certainly we have the, the, the busy summer season and being in, especially Northern North America, that's when people are traveling to our regions, uh, for sure. But your ability to find other clients that have a more of a shoulder season, which would be your relationship with the destination marketing organizations and them, uh, building that trust with you, uh, to take out their, their most important people, uh, I think that's a perfect example of, of, of how to m- maybe hack the system that we get d- dealt to us. Well, y- you work around that. You find different relationships, different clients, uh, different ways to make money at, at times a year when, when m- many other businesses are struggling. So that's a good example. J- James Good, are you still there? Or are you uh, now r- going um, full force into yep. running the shop? <laughs> Yeah, I'm still here. Right. And yeah, I'm here. Why don't you d- dive in uh, lastly on that question, just in terms of what gets you up every day besides that phone ringing? Yeah, well, I guess my one year old daughter ultimately gets me up <laughs> in the morning. Um, yeah, I guess kind of, you know, it's 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 awesome. It's it's so incredible to be able to call the shots and run your own business. Um but there's a lot of things that are very difficult and ultimately you do need key players in order to help keep the, the machine, you know, oiled and tuned and running full force. So, um, I, I just like the, the personal connection with customers. Um, you know, again, we're, we're kind of primarily a, a brick and mortar bike shop with that lifestyle aspect. And then we do some, you know, more, uh, developed weekend type bike packing trips and stuff like that, where we set the dates and all that. So kind of, we do some, uh, um, some guiding, and uh, we do get out in the field with our customers, but a lot of it's here. And just, you know, being personal with people, whether it's in the shop or out in the field riding bikes, we're all coming together. And ultimately, I get to work while people are on vacation, um, which is pretty awesome, you know. So at some points, you almost have to stop, take a step back, and just realize, like, hey, how fortunate am I? I don't need to clock in 8 to 5 Monday through Friday. And uh, just given the, the business and in, in the, where the, the bike shop is here in Prineville, we're right on the Transamerica bike trail, which goes from Astoria, Oregon to Yorktown, Virginia. And that sees travelers, primarily self-supported travelers or cyclists, touring coast to coast. And they're from around the world, you know, all of Europe, uh, China. We've seen people from Iceland. And, and just to have them come in, sign your book, you know, have a beer. We pump up their tires or replace their tires. Um, and just to share those stories, ultimately, those are stories or experiences you get when you travel yourself and are on vacation. And people are coming to me sharing their vacation with me. So that, to me, is, is just super exciting. But when things ramp up and the season's going well, and, and our, you know, our primary season is uh, more May through September, things are firing on all cylinders. So sometimes it's hard to take that step back and just appreciate it. Cause you're just firing so hard, but that's also what keeps you open year round as well. So, um, you know, we're always looking for new opportunities in the winter times. We've flirted with different ideas and, and options. And, you know, one of the things we do to kind of tie back into that whole Nike contract is we have, uh, Apple and Facebook data centers in Prineville. And uh, Facebook is just has no signs of slowing down with the amount of buildings and size of buildings they're building. And so we 
we sell them fleets of bikes and service those fleets of bikes for their campus. Currently, nice. they have they have like it's over a mile from one point to the other, and it'll be even bigger than that when they're complete with the project. Which the project has another five to ten years before completion. And so, you know, every year they're always buying new bikes because they have new buildings. We go up there once a month to service those bikes. And if nothing else, that's just one small little piece of the pie that can help me be a little bit more sustainable in the off season or, or our winter months. Um, because we do stay true to the bike shop. We don't get into skiing. We do run some snowshoes. We just don't promote it a whole lot. It's not going to necessarily get us to where we need to go. But it's just, again, some, some other offerings. But yeah, those types of contracts... Um, it's, it was cool to hear Kieran mention his just because it sounds like we're all at some point feeding off, you know, it's, it's <laughs> looking for who's, who's got the bigger cash, uh, the pockets full of cash and how can we work together to give them some of the services that they need. Well, again, I think that that's a perfect, perfect point. Um, look for those opportunities that may, that are definitely part of the story, part of the brand. So you're not reaching outside and doing things that, that you're not, that, that aren't true to you. But at the same time, our opportunities at different times of the year or that fill in the gaps or can 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 keep you to that sustainability level. Uh, I think that's a great lesson that both of you guys shared with us. Yeah. I just want to thank both of you for taking the time to educate us and, and the audience about your, your businesses and your motivations out there. Well, great. Thanks, guys. And uh, th- thanks, James Good, Good Bike Co., and then Kieran Widener from First Nature Tours, both down in Oregon. Uh, two great entrepreneurs, two longtime friends of mine, and James Anderson, my longtime friend. Wonderful being on, on the line with you again. Thanks so much. Thank you, guys. Thanks, guys. Have a good one.